electronic device with your Bible on it. Let's hold those up. I'm a child of God. Have in my hand the powerful Word of God. Can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> That's about all I can get out today. Hallelujah. It's, uh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. God is good. And all the time. Those of you that uh, follow our devotional books, you use them. There's some on the back table. I forgot to mention it last week, but they're back there. So you can get those and get caught up. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Tyler, stand up. I know you didn't do it, but stand up anyway. <laughs> Take a look at that camo. Is he ready to go today or what? Y'all can't see me. I'm a camo. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> wow, where did he go? <laughs> he was going to wear his mask and bring his little paint gun thing in. I said, nah, let's don't stretch it too far. Yes. Well, I did see that, and I wasn't going to bring it up, but that's... Uh... He chased after his mother. Yeah. <laughs> watch out, man. And we're really grateful for that, too, so... <clears throat> yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah, look at it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure glad that we can have joy in the Lord. Amen. Yeah, it'd be me first, though. That's, that's what I'm afraid of. Never. Starting a new series today, leading us up to Easter. Uh, I, God, off of the theme, obviously, of iPad, iPods, and the eyes of uh, whatever. But I uh, just want to tell you that we're grateful that you're here today and hope that God touches your heart in a, in a great way. The theme verse that we're going to be using is on the front of your bulletin. It's in Exodus 3 and verse 14, but I want you to write something by that verse. I meant to put it there, but you know how these computers do. But if you would write that for me, I'd appreciate it. And here's the phrase I want you to write by that verse. Discovering the God who really is. Discovering the God who really is. One more time. Discovering the God who really is. And as we lead up to Easter, we want to consider the attributes of God. And by the way, a reminder, Easter is on March 31st. It's coming early this year. It's at the end of this month. We've got four weeks till Easter. Uh, we've set a goal for Easter. Do any of you know how much our goal that we set? Double, double. So we want to have 100 plus people here on Easter Sunday. And it can happen real easy. If we all work together, uh, we can make that happen. And uh, I hope that you're planning to be a part of it. In fact, in your bulletin, uh, hopefully you found two invite cards. Can you find those in your bulletin? Hold those up for me. You should have two of them. Unless, it unless one of them fell out or all of them fell out. Good. Would you please take these this week, give them to, to people, invite them to come. Uh, if, you're, if you don't feel comfortable going face-to-face -face with somebody, 
Uh, leave it on a table somewhere. If, if you've eaten lunch somewhere, just leave it on the table. And uh, you never know. Quick trip, hand it to that person that's checking you out at Quick Trip, especially if you're buying gas there. <laughs> they should come to Easter Sunday because they can bring some of that back to us. Amen? But, uh, uh, of course, it's dropped down to uh, 348 a gallon. Now, I know you're excited, aren't you? Whew. Every time I see that penny drop, man, it just, I get so excited only to watch it jump 11 cents overnight. But anyway, we just praise the Lord for that. But Easter's coming up. It's going to be a great time, and uh, we have a great uh, day planned, uh, as we always do. And I hope that you'll uh, take these in invitation cards and uh, pick them up. Also, also, people are prone to tickets. We have some tickets printed up for you. Uh, 10.30 service, 8 o'clock service. Take some of these. They're on the table by my office. Take as many as you'd like. Just hand them out. Just hand them out to people. Hey, hey, listen, I'm going to give you a ticket to come to Easter. <laughs> It'll be amazing how many people take them. They go, okay, wow, yeah. They don't know. Just take them, okay? Again, more tools to use. Try to get folks here and uh, encourage them to be a part of it. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> Let's go back to that theme verse there, Exodus 3. Uh, and uh, Moses is uh, talking with God. Moses is a great leader in the Old Testament. And uh, God is uh, using him to lead the children of uh, Israel out of uh, slavery from the Egyptians. <clears throat> and their ultimate goal was the promised land. <clears throat> I apologize. I left my water laying back there. But it's important because we're going to look in just a little bit in Exodus again about some additional things uh, that, that God was doing and teaching Moses that we can learn from as well. And he was going to, the main thing that he was going to do is reveal himself to Moses because it's important that we do that. Sam, thank you very much. It's important that we let God reveal himself to us. Because sometimes he's trying, we aren't receiving. <laughs> he's trying to reveal himself. He wants us to know him in an intimate way, but we block him. We don't necessarily want to see him. And there's various reasons why that happens. But in Exodus 3.14, it's right there on the front of your bulletin. It uh, hopefully is up here on the screen as well. Hey, there we go. And let's read this together. God replied, I am the one who always is. Just tell them I am has sent me to you. Because see, Moses was going to be going to Pharaoh and he was going to have to tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. Well, who sent you? Who sent you? I am sent me. It's the same thing that happens to you and to me when we uh, ask our friends to come to join us at church. And they say, well, who, who preaches down there? I am. <laughs> really? His name is I am? Well, that's what God calls himself. I am. And they kind of look at you funny, which you can understand. They do that anyway. But I am is a theological statement. Did you realize that? It is. I don't know if you've studied much theology, but it has a, a, a great meaning. It shows that there is eternal existence of God. I am is shows that there's eternal existence, that there's no time that God was not. You would find the presence of God, and you would find a lot of other things about God, His omnipotence, His omnipresence, and today we're going to look at His omnipresence. And what does it mean for Him to be omnipresent? 
In the next few weeks, we're going to look at some other words and descriptions, theological descriptions and terms that define him. But here's, a, here's an application point I hope you'll take away today. The more you know about God, the more life makes sense. The more you know about God, the more life begins to make sense. And the more you know about God, the more life is going to make sense. And for some, you're, you're very unclear still of your future. You're still unclear because you, are, you, you don't really understand who God is. You lack direction in your life because you have a faulty understanding of who God is. If you don't have a proper picture of God, then your life is never going to make sense. And a lot of people wander through life. And they say they have lack of direction. They're afraid and they worry a lot because they have a wrong picture of God. So one of the things that we want to do in this series is give you a proper picture of God. But the problem is a lot of us have an improper picture. And so we want to try to correct that. And, and when I use the word God, if you had to draw a picture on the marker board, say we were playing categories or charades or something like that, and, you had to, and I asked you to draw a picture of God, what would you say that God looks like? Now, for most, they think he's a little old guy with a long beard, and he's kind of a decrepit old man, kind of hunkered up over there, and he uh, sits up in heaven, and he hopes and wishes that things would uh, go this way or go that way. Maybe that's your view of God. But all have some kind of picture of God. And if we're honest, most of us don't get our picture of God from the Bible. We let the culture around us define who God is. But who is God really? What does the Bible say about God? And in your notes, the first blank is the first word that shouldn't have been there. <laughs> omnipresent. God is omnipresent. I wish the preacher would learn how to type. That would help him. That God, he is omnipresent. And the revelation is that we wouldn't know God unless God chooses to reveal himself to us. And the great news is, he does that. God makes himself manifest to us in certain ways and, and, and in various ways. And when you study theology, you're going to see God in three distinctive people. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We call that the Trinity, and so all through our series, you're going to hear about that as we lead up to Easter. But God is omnipresent, so what does that mean? Omni is Latin for the word all, all present. That's what omnipresent means, all present. And so simply, God is everywhere. God is everywhere. So what does it mean that God is everywhere? Well, one of the classic passages of Scripture to define the omnipresence of God is in Psalm 139. So if you have your Bibles, of course I've got it there on your notes, but if you have your Bibles, it's always good sometimes to see it in your Bible as well. In Psalm 139, we're going to look at verses 7 through 14. And David's asking a question, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Of course, he's talking to God here. He says, if I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths of the sea, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you and the night will, uh, the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. That's a pretty incredible statement. Pretty incredible. Even in the nighttime, God still sees us. It's pitch dark. He still sees us. Has it, you, ever, you ever been at a place where it's so dark you can't even see your hand in front of your face? 
God is still there with you. And I'm glad, because <laughs> when I've been in those kind of places, you feel other things with you. So I want God there, amen? I want him there all the time. But even though he's around us, he's in us. Look what else the psalmist says. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Incredible passage about the omnipresence of God, both outside our life and inside our life. He's everywhere. It's kind of like a mom, isn't it? Growing up, when you'd try, you could, you could try anything and you think you was keeping it hidden from your mother. Only for them to do what? What were you doing? And why were you doing that? There were eight walls between you and her. How does she know that? X-ray vision. When a mother has her first child, a miracle happens. Eyes develop all around her head. You only see the two in the front, but there's these others hiding in her hair. She sees everything. I better not say that because some kids might say, oh, my goodness. <laughs> but it seems like that, doesn't it? Seems like that. But see, that's the way God is. He is everywhere. We can't hide from him. You can't escape from him. Because the, the faster you know that he's everywhere, the better it is to know how you're living and how you're behaving. And it may affect the way you live and the way you behave. God is never surprised. Isn't that something? He never gets caught off guard because he is all present. You can't run from him. You can't hide from him. And sometime in our lives, the omnipresence of God is not always going to be a good thing because there's times in our lives when we do stuff that we wish we hadn't done. I wish I hadn't done some things. I wish God didn't know some of the stuff that I've done. Unfortunately, he knows. And because he knows, which makes him incredible, he still loves me. As, as bad as I've done, as, as bad as the decisions or choices I've made, he still loves me in spite of it. Isn't that awesome? That's an awesome thing to remember. And, and, and he cares about us so much. He knows us inside, he knows us out, and yet he still chooses to love us the way he does. And yet, when he does that, he does that so we don't have to be afraid. When we have the knowledge and the understanding that God is all present, he is everywhere, inside, outside, it should bring peace to us not fear. The reason it brings fear is because we've not surrendered to him. When we surrender to him, the peace comes. The fear leaves. Now back in your notes, I want to talk to you about some benefits. Three benefits for, for sure in our study of the omnipresence of God. First one is, I can be, I can be directed by God daily. I can be directed by God daily. You see, God being everywhere wants to speak into our lives. He knows the past, the present, the future. He is present in all those areas of our lives simultaneously and in an extraordinary theological way that I don't even have any idea how to unpack. But He does that, and He is that. And because of that, He wants to direct us, He wants to direct our lives. He wants what's best for our life. Parents, do you want what's best for your children? Yes. Children, do you understand that your parents want the best for you? They may understand it, 
but they don't want them to give it to them. Because usually the best is contrary to what they want. They want to be able to drive a car at the age of 10. And not only that, but they want their own car. And not just any car. It has to be a two-door Mustang. Or a two-door Camaro. With a 289 V8 engine. At $3.49 a gallon. That they're not going to put the, pay for the gas to go in it. Well, heavens no. They expect you to give them a credit card to go do that. And they're going to burn the rubber off those tires because they don't have to buy it. So, mom and dad, I need new tires. I need the state-of-the-art stereo. I've got to be driving nine blocks away so you can still hear the music. You ever sit by one of those guys? I mean, the whole car shakes. From the base of the, of, the, of the sound system, you open the trunk and it's all speakers. Looks like a heartbeat. My heart beats faster when I get up next to those guys. You can hear them coming blocks away. I don't know who they're trying to fool. We had a middle son that really thought he was smart. He had a 66 Mustang with a 289 and those, those mufflers, that kind of stuff. Really a sweet-sounding car. But he had, he had rev it up to come around the corner, turn it off and shift it into neutral, and try to coast up to the house so we wouldn't hear him come in late. <laughs> but he'd always barely make it. He'd have to get out and push the car on up in the driveway. I loved that part. As we watched him out the window. Because <laughs> somebody kept waking me up. He's not home yet. God wants what's best in your life. He does. Even if you have a 66 Mustang as you try to coast into the driveway, He wants what's best for you. But let's face it, we get off, we get off the plan, don't we? We get off track. Our best laid plans can lead us astray. <clears throat> and throughout Scripture, we find examples of that. In the Old Testament, there was a uh, there's a very physical example of how God directed his people. You know, I mentioned earlier, we're going to look at Exodus at another story. And, and so in Exodus 13, in fact, it's Exodus chapters 13 through 20, there's a great story. Uh, God used Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. And as you can imagine, the Egyptian army wasn't very happy that their slave labor was heading out. And so they began to chase them out into the desert as they were heading toward the promised land. And uh, so God directs them. And he does it physically, by day and by night. Do you remember how he did that? A pillar of a cloud in the day and a pillar of fire at night. So in other words, they would always see God present before and after and around, and he was leading them and directing their path. How much do we see God every day directing our path? You see, we need to look for him because he's waiting He's wanting to lead us if we'll just let him lead us. Now, let's jump down to, the, to chapter, uh, in chapter 13. I've got the words there in your, in your bulletin up on, the, up on the screen. By the day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pallor, uh, pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of the cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. 
And that's important to understand is that God was always in front. <coughs> God was always leading in front. Never forget that. <coughs> Retreat is not an option for a believer. <coughs> God says, go forward. I am leading you. I'm leading you. And that's important for us to do and to stay, stay uh, focused and in tune is that God is going to lead us. Okay? And his direction is available for us anytime. Anytime. You ever been on a team and been the only one? I remember playing football and they were running a sweep around the outside and I was playing defensive nose guard. And for some reason, I ended up, I saw the, I saw the floor or whatever and I took off running to the right. And when I got out there, I was ready to make the tackle. I had the guy dead beat on him, man. I was, ready, I was running as fast as I could, which <laughs> not very fast, but I was running really fast, as fast as I could. And I thought, man, I've got this guy. And all of a sudden, <coughs> he pitches the ball like this, and a guy coming on a reverse takes it, and off he goes. And guess who's out there all by himself? I looked like the coyote with the roadrunner taking off. And I, I should have had a sign that said, uh-oh. <laughs> but God wants to be with us. And his direction is always in front of us. And uh, he's not uh, available at certain hours. He's available at all times. You're not going to call God and get a busy signal. <laughs> he's always waiting. He's always waiting. And if you need direction in your life, ask him. He'll give it to you. And I just want to ask you this. What would your life look like if you allowed God to direct more of the decisions in your life? You think it'd be worse? Guarantee it'd be better. It'd be better. So, I've gone my own way. I failed to ask God's direction. And when I do that is when I really find that I messed up. So, on the, on the connection card I mentioned earlier, <clears throat> I want to challenge you from now till Easter to do the first 15 challenge. Take the first 15 minutes of your day and spend it with God. Either in Bible reading or prayer or singing or whatever you do, but spend the first 15 minutes of your day, every day, between now and Easter with God. And then do me a favor. My email's at the top of the a bulletin on the front. Shoot me an email. Let me know how that's going as you go through the next few days and see what God's doing to direct your life. And let him direct your life. But would you take the first, <coughs> first 15 challenge and uh, do that for the Lord? <coughs> But let me know how God's, uh, what God's doing in your life. Uh, shoot me an email. Let me know. But, you know, spend that, spend that time. The Bible says you might want to just take Exodus uh, 13 through 20, those chapters, and read them together. <coughs> well, Satan doesn't want me to preach this message today. But we're going to win. <coughs> With your patience, we'll win. Uh, memory verse, James 1, 5, there in your bulletin. Let's read it. You read it and I'll listen. Let, me, let my voice rest a minute. If you'd read it, please. <laughs> a quick survey. How many of you need more wisdom this week? Ha, ah, good. Good, good. Well, then we're going to... The only way to get that is to ask him. 
You can't buy it. You can't hope it. You can only ask him. And he says he'll do it. So back to your outline, the next blank to fill in. I don't have to wander. W-A-N-D-E-R. I don't have to wander. If he's directing my life, I don't have to wander. So truth number one is I can be directed by God daily because of his omnipresence. And then number two, I can be protected by God daily because of his omnipresence. That's what I just said, and I want to remind you that it's probably one of the things that you've heard before, but God has promised to protect those who follow him. He will watch over you. If you're a follower of God, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's how we talk about it, is that God will protect you. You know, one of the things that, that, that when you get to heaven would be fun to do is if you could go through a review of your life and see how many times, how many ways God protected you. He does all the time. He does all the time. Sometimes we recognize it, sometimes we see it, but other times we're not aware, but he's still there. And he's doing it in, in so many ways. And there's a connection between inviting him and his protection that he offers. Ezra chapter 8 is a great example of that. Ezra is a leader uh, later on in the Old Testament, several books beyond the book of Exodus. And Ezra has been chosen by God to do a number of things. <coughs> and one of those <coughs> was to bring the Bible back to the people of God. <coughs> as well as lead the people on the a dangerous journey back to Jerusalem. But Ezra 8, let's pick it up. Notes there in your, in your outline. For I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horses to accompany us and protect us from enemies along the way. After all, we had told the king, and here's, here's what he told the king, our God protects all those who worship him. Now, I want you to underline that. Our God protects all those who worship him. Look what else it says. <coughs> but his fierce anger rages against those who abandoned him. So here's what he did. He said, we fasted. Thank you, sir. He said, we fasted <clears throat> and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us. And then look what God did. And he heard our prayer. You see, God will protect us. God is protecting you in ways that you don't fully understand. And there's some kind of connection between that invitation for protection and his actual protection. But sometimes it's easy to forget because when life knocks us, knocks us around a bit, storms of life come and rage against us, sometimes fear arises. And we don't see God. And we forget that he's protecting us. But the disciples in the New Testament forgot about that. Great story, Matthew chapter 8. It says, then Jesus got into the boat and they started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a terrible storm came up and the waves bro uh, breaking into the boat. And what was Jesus doing? He's sleeping. <laughs> so he was 100% God and 100% human. And this is 100% human showing up. <coughs> He's uh, sleeping through a storm. <coughs> through a storm. Unafraid. 100% part of God, he was unafraid. So, <clears throat> Jesus sleeping, the disciples going nuts. And that's what the Greek word says, that they went nuts. But the disciples went to him and they woke him up. And they said, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And they forgot that he was in the boat right there with them. <laughs> and Jesus said, why are you afraid? 
you have a little faith. Stands up, rebukes the wind, the waves, and everything's calm. The disciples say, who is this guy? That even the waves and the wind obey him. But that's just like us sometimes. We're right in the midst of the storm, <laughs> wondering where God is, and he's got his cradle in his hand. He's got his cradle in his hand. I know when I was three and a tornado was coming straight at our house in Wichita Falls, Texas, it hit a, uh, it hit a half a mile away. It hit a trailer park and then lifted the tail of it, lifted up, and went over our ha housing division, the subdivision, and came back down and took off. That's the hand of God. That's the hand of God. And my mother, <laughs> cradling all of us as best she could. So what's, what's she going to do with a tornado? But the provisions of God. Provisions of God. We see them all the time. God's omnipresence saves us, protects us. And the next blank in your notes is then you don't have to fear. You don't have to fear. So I can be protected, I can be directed, and then thirdly, I can enjoy God daily. When you really understand the protection of God and the direction of God, your relationship with God doesn't have to be one of drudgery. Because of the benefits of the omnipresence of God, we can truly enjoy that relationship, and that's why we can sing the songs that we do and smile the way we do and laugh the way we do. Even when in the midst of doing life together, things don't look good, we can still rejoice. Still rejoice. Because there's an element of knowing God that leads to enjoyment. But we fall into the trap of worrying about tomorrow and worrying about this or worrying about that and that will rob us of our joy. It'll take it away. Jesus addressed that in Matthew 6. In Matthew 6, 25, he said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. And you know the disciples are going to say, What? Don't worry about our lives. Do you know my life? He says, you don't have to worry about your life. Don't, for, don't, don't forget about the omnipresence of God. It's all around us. Then he goes on to say, what you will eat or drink. Could be translated, what you, how are you going to pay rent this week? Or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Ever thought about that? Jesus said, you're wasting time worrying. <clears throat> Look at verse 32. Jesus said, when you worry, you're actually acting like someone who doesn't believe that God exists. Oh. In fact, he goes on to call them out. For the pagan run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added, added to you. Therefore, if you believe that God is who he is, <clears throat> do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can you say amen? amen. <laughs> so the fill-in there is, you probably already figured it out, you don't have to worry. You see, you can either worry, miss out on all the good things in life, or you can turn those over to God and enjoy God on a daily basis. <coughs> How you understand God, and I believe there's a direct correlation between your picture of God and your enjoyment of this life. Life's not going to make sense until you make sense of God. The guidebook of doing that is full. Old Testament, New Testament, throughout the Bible. And in our series over the next few weeks, I hope we can improve 
or maybe help change your picture of God. Some people like to put these gates up in their life when it comes to the relationship with God. Some like to see God at the top of a ladder, and the only way to get to him is to climb this ladder. <clears throat> Some uh, put baggage and say, man, I've got all this baggage in my life. I, I, just, can't, I just can't get to him. I, I can't climb the rungs. They're, they're too high. I just can't do it. Well, the good news is, is that the cross took care of all of that. There's no gate that can bar you. There's no ladder you have to climb. And there's no baggage that God can't wipe away. I don't care what it is. You might say, well, well preacher, uh, I've been a prostitute in my life. <laughs> Hall of Fame of Faith, he mentions Rahab the harlot. Well, preacher, I've been a liar in my life. Really? How about Peter? Well, preacher, I've, I've worked for the IRS. I've stolen money. How about Matthew? Well, preacher, I, I, didn't, I didn't really do much witnessing for God. I only witnessed to one person. How about Andrew, who led Peter to Christ? That's all we hear about. <clears throat> it doesn't matter who you are or what you are. It's whether you're willing to surrender to him. Whether you'll understand the omnipresence of God. So there's nothing that you can drag along. There's no ladder you have to climb. There's no gate you have to open. There's no baggage that you have to drag. It's all taken care of at the cross. At the cross. In fact, in fact, would you imagine for a minute that all the burdens that you've got are lifted from you as a gift from God? As a gift from from God. <clears throat> the shackles that you've been dragging behind fall off. The ladder you think you've got to climb disappears. The gates that are barring you from God all of a sudden fall down. Because you see, in Christ, in Christ at the cross, we found forgiveness. In Christ at the cross, we found eternal life. In Christ at the cross, we found freedom. And so the gift is there if you want to take it. But according to the Bible, in fact, that's the, the last verse in our outline. <clears throat> Jesus, out of the book of Hebrews, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. That offer never changes. And that gift is always ours as long as we take it. It's always offered if you want it. It's the only path to God is through Jesus. So I guess the biggest question today is, have you received Christ? Have you received that gift? Have you taken that gift of eternal life? Has he manifested himself in you? Has he revealed himself in the person of his son in you? It's a gift. Do you want the gift or not? And if you've taken the gift, are you using it or have you put it on the shelf? It's entirely up to you to, to decide that. But your whole life changes when you're willing to do that. Bow with me and pray, would you? God, I, I ask you today that you give me the courage to know you and that I take the courage to know you well. I mean, you know me well. You know me inside, you know me out. And yet you still love me. There's not a gate between us. There's not baggage that can get in the way. There's no ladder I have to climb. So God, I thank you that you offer me a gift and that you've offered me this gift of eternal life through your son, Jesus Christ. 
And God, I don't always understand what all that means. But I feel compelled right now because of what you're saying to me, how you're working in my life. I, I just feel compelled that I need to receive that gift. So God, I'm just praying that today I will let you be real in my life. I will make a decision today that will help me to understand and make that first step towards you. And all you ever ask is that we take one step towards you and that you then will come running to us. And so, Father, today, would there be one today who would say yes to that gift and receive it today? We could sit down and teach and talk with and, and, and further instruct on the decision that they're wanting to make. Or God, will they just keep holding you at, at arm's length? Will they keep saying, not yet, not yet. I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. Or would they surrender, understanding that you're all present? You know them outside, and you know them inside. And the gift is waiting for them to take. But it's not a gift until they take it. So God, would that happen today in somebody in this room? In Jesus we pray. Amen. Hymn of invitation.